It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And welcome on into a winter meetings edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I, I guess I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, alongside Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me in person. This is very special. Why, why did you say you guess you're the host? I guess, you well, I don't host. know. I guess I am the host. It feels Come weird. On, it. Okay, it's me. I'm here. I'm in charge here. I'm going to be running this show, but you are that's the better. MLB it, Pipeline this experts. This type of attitude is the reason you're not on the Rule 5 broadcast tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. Because you were too reticent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is exactly correct. We are obviously going to talk about the Rule 5 draft, which is taking place tomorrow morning. I know Jim is really excited about that. Uh, but before we get to the Rule 5 draft, which has not happened yet, we have uh, some news of the day. Very uh, exciting uh, real draft-related news, uh, no offense, Rule 4-related draft uh, news, uh, which is that in 2020, uh, the Major League Baseball draft will take place in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, so, Jim, tell me a little bit about this, and, and why is it going to be in Omaha? Well, the MLB's wanted to do this for about four or five years, try to bring some more interest to the draft. It, it's mutually beneficial. By putting it in Omaha right before the three days leading up to the College World Series, I think MLB's hope is they will have more players on hand players who are participating in the College World Series. Last year there were three first-round picks in Omaha. And also the college season otherwise will be over for everybody. Now when they're trying to get college players to come to the draft, even like the regional, usually the draft is right after the regionals, the first of three rounds of the playoffs. And it's hard to get anybody to commit because they don't know if they're going to be available or not. So the idea is you'll get more players there. And then hopefully it'll snowball. Like I don't, I'm just speculating here, but it might be easier to attract high school players if you say, hey, stick around Saturday and Sunday and watch the first two days of College World Series because, as I've said many times, it's, well, we'll talk about my favorite baseball event of the year, the College World Series, and later we'll talk about my least favorite baseball <laughs> event of the year, which I will not name. But um, in any case, so that's good for them. And for college baseball, I think it brings a lot more – the event's awesome as it is, but it brings a lot more focus. You're going to have MLB Network pumping up Omaha. You're going to have people you know, equating the draft and college baseball – in the College World Series, so I think it can only increase interest in College World Series and college baseball. And, and Jonathan, we had heard that this was coming, but the interesting thing, which we did not know until, like I was like, did kind of a double take when I saw the press release, instead of the first two rounds being day one of the draft, just, now just it will the be first the first round, round only. Yeah, and they, I think they needed to truncate it a little bit. Uh, it does get a little bit long that first night. The second round was only online. Um, I'm sure uh, our friend Greg Amsinger is not upset because what he had to do over the course of uh, of that draft uh, is kind of insane yeah. just in, in terms of the sort of marathon impact of, tr of trying to host that thing. Uh, they've been trying to find ways to grow the draft for a number of years, and it had, and it's grown. I mean, listen, when I, the, I remember doing like live video online only, sitting in our studios in Chelsea, and that was seemed like such a huge deal right, you know, right, the, right. from the conference call. And then, you know, then it was on TV on ESPN a couple years, and the network took it over. And incrementally, it would get, you know, it would get bigger. We'd get a lot more players, and then it would sort of slide back. You right. know? And some of it was cyclical. I think that even if it is small incremental growth, this will give the draft the opportunity to, to breathe a little bit and, and sure. grow. Because 
listen, the high school players that were coming, and it was almost always only high school players, had to get on a plane and come to New Jersey. And yes, they'd go see New York City, and that's great. But I agree with Jim. Omaha's a good draw. They've got to get on a plane anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and we have the added benefit of the likelihood of having a number of college players. I mean, let's just think for a second. You know, Georgia's got a, a really good team. I know Jim yeah. would love nothing more than to see his Bulldogs make it to Omaha. But imagine right. if they're there and Emerson Hancock's the number one pick. Yeah, and that's he's, pretty and cool. And he's there. I just remember how exciting it was when Carlos Correa was in the studio and he was the number one pick. It just adds more excitement. There'll be more fans who follow it. I, it it's just a win-win, I think, now that they've gotten it figured out. And in some ways, it'll be kind of cool to, like, follow and, and think about that as an added benefit of getting to Omaha. If you're a first-rounder, it's like, oh, cool, now I'm definitely going to be there. Hopefully we'll have... Uh, guys that aren't necessarily in Omaha there uh, as well. And I also think it'll just be cool uh, when you compare the MLB draft to other drafts, kind of seeing it on like a big stage in like a cool place. No offense to Studio 42. I think this could be a, a big upgrade. I'm yeah. looking forward uh, to seeing that as well. Uh, so looking forward to to, to that next Plus year. That I, should I be. get to eat at the Drover. Oh, I know. Jim has a lot of reasons. You went, you went, you went fishing for a free steak, <laughs> Juris, right there. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like, it's like that's a bonus too. We don't, we will not be eating at our normal chain restaurants in uh, Secaucus. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Today's podcast has been brought to you by the Drover. The Drover, a fine steak in Omaha, Nebraska. There you Best. go. Hey, look, whiskey, we're looking, whiskey we're looking for it. Whiskey ribeye. We're looking for it. We're looking for it. All right, so we're looking. That's 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 going to happen next summer. Very much excited about that. But let's get to some some other recent news, which is that we've had uh, some some very fun trades uh, go down over the last week and a half or so involving some very, very fun prospects. Um, we've had some happen this week here in San Diego at the winter meetings. Um, but I want to go back. We're going to go chronologically here. Uh, and let's start uh, with the, the Tommy Pham trade, uh, which I guess still is maybe having some medical hiccups that may or may not still be contested at the moment. But let's just talk about the prospects involved because it seems like that deal is going to get done. Uh, Tommy Pham going from the Rays to the Padres in exchange for former for, uh, first rounder, former first sandwich rounder, compound sandwich rounder, yep. uh, Xavier Edwards uh, coming from San Diego to Tampa Bay, and a, a two-way prospect, Jake Cronenworth, involved in this deal going from Tampa Bay uh, to San Diego. So, uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, two very interesting prospects. Xavier Edwards was at the draft in, in Secaucus, New yes. Jersey. Uh, so there, there's a little tie in there. Uh, so what, what did you think of this deal when you saw it? Uh, my first instinct is that I thought that it was a good trade for the Rays. I mean, it, my, my my first instinct. And I think that the Padres got some, some talent back. Clearly, their evaluations have Tommy Pham as a as a much better player sure. than, than Hunter Renfro, especially for the right now, yep. which is clearly what they're trying to do. If you told me, though, that at the end of 2020, Hunter Renfro would outperform Tommy Pham, I, it's I not, could, not crazy. It's not crazy. Sure. Uh, and they got Xavier Edwards. Uh, and yeah, Cronenworth's interesting. I, I'm not now that they added pitching back in. Like right. I'm not exactly sure what what he is. Right. Uh, but Xavier Edwards is is you know after the especially the first full season he had it by far a, a superior prospect. Sure. Um, I think long term this definitely favored the Rays. And this is all going to be about how Fam performs compared to Renfro. Whether or not it did what the Padres were hoping it would do for this year. But I, I really thought the fact that they, uh, you know, the, the Rays got a, a guy in Renfro who, who's, who's younger than Pham. Uh, yeah, and there's some swing and miss. Uh, he is the, who he is. But uh, the, the having the youth on his side, plus getting a dynamic player like Xavier Edwards, who I right. think is going to hit at the top of a big league lineup uh, at some point in the future, I, I thought that was a good was a good deal. What did you think, Jim, of that trade? I, I, I liked it. I was less maybe – I felt it was less tilted towards Tampa Bay than you did. I really like Xavier Edwards, too, and I thought he was underrated in the draft. 
I think looking at him as a prospect, he means a top 100 guy, and I like him. I think he probably is more second base than shortstop, and there is some question how much power. I mean, he's not going to be a slugger, but is there is he even a 10 home run guy? Like, yeah. I, I, like there's some question of the impact the bat, and and I've always liked Hunter Renfro a lot too, um, but he's sort of one dimensional. You know, it's power over hit. And there's some inconsistencies there. And, and you're right. I think that it's definitely a move made by the Padres to try to win now. I do like Cronenworth. He's not a top 100 caliber guy. But I think he's a very useful player in today's game in that he's a, he can legitimately play shortstop as utility guy. He can hit. And he's hit everywhere he's been in the minors. And now they've introduced pitching back to the mix. And I liked him better. He was on our draft top 200 coming out of the University of Michigan. I like we, we had him written up as a pitcher as opposed to a shortstop. But he was up to 97 last year. So and I think those types of guys are valuable in today's game where he's a legitimate utility man. And you might get, I'm not saying he's going to be your setup man, but like A, in a blowout, you don't have to use your left fielder. But like you might be able to use him 20 times a year off the mound. So he's, he's interesting that way too. So it was a really interesting trade. Um, and it, and like the, the, I think both teams are trying to win this year, or at least the Padres are trying to get more respectable. But the Rays actually have a better team now than the Padres do. Yeah, that's true. And yet, so they're it was closer. the Rays trading more for the future right. than right. the Padres trading. I mean, we know why, because Tampa Bay is limited financially. Right, right, right. But it was just like a weird kind of trade that the team yeah, that's better just, already uh-huh. is playing for the, traded for the future, and the team that's further away is trading for now. So also, I thought it was pretty interesting. Also, just especially two teams that I guess we'll see where it checks out. Maybe the top two farms in the game. Uh, swapping with each other, yeah, yeah. It's close. I, and it's I would thing. say, we'll yeah, we do. I had a recent in pipeline inbox question. If they're not the top two farm systems, I think they're the two deepest farm systems. Yeah, they I have they have tons and tons that's of a prospects. Fair assessment. Yeah, so that's a, that's a that's a bigger question, but definitely two teams with a lot of prospects uh, to trade. So interesting to see them uh, make some swaps. Now, uh, let's go to another trade, uh, which involves two uh, slightly weaker farm systems. Uh, uh, a deal with the the Baltimore Orioles and the Los Angeles Angels. Dylan Bundy, uh, once one of the premier pitching prospects in all of the game, has kind of had a weird career, a lot of injuries up and down. Uh, now he goes to the Angels. They need big league pitching help for four minor league pitchers: uh, Isaac Matson, Zach Peak. Uh, Kyle Burnovich and Kyle Bradish. We're not going to talk about all four, uh, but let, we, we, we picked out uh, before the podcast. Me and Jim are our team Kyle Burnovich here, so we'll let you go first, Jonathan. Tell I us. To, I, I get Kyle Bradish. Tell us about. Myself. We're all in on the Kyles, so tell us about <laughs> Kyle Bradish uh, for, for yeah. Orioles fans. And, and maybe and, and maybe I like him because he was my guy in, in that draft class uh, out of New Mexico State. Yeah. Um, the thing that interested me about him as a draft guy is he put up really good numbers in a place where pitchers don't put up it's impossible yeah i know you just can't pitch there and he did like he had some some very encouraging numbers while he was there which is why he you know went where he did in the draft and you know he he he, he's tall he's got really good stuff the the one thing that he doesn't have is is good command so the question is is he a starter you know uh he does have three pitches he can maintain his stuff i think you still send him out as a starter he missed a ton of bats this last year um, so I would give him every opportunity to start, especially if you're the Orioles. I was going to say, you're not in any why rush. Not? No reason right? to move into the pen. Right, you don't. You're not competing, but you know that if you put him in the bullpen, his fastball breaking ball combination is going to tick upwards, and I think he'd be really nasty as a, as a setup guy, maybe even a closer. Um, but uh, you know, intriguing arm and and the kind of sort of 
size and length that you like to see in, in, in a, a guy with some projection. Yeah, and, and for those who don't know, it's New Mexico State, which is truly one of the, it's basically like putting up good numbers in the PCL. Like it shouldn't really be possible, but clearly he was doing something right. Uh, so our Kyle, uh, uh, Jim, he, he was not pitching in, in, in New Mexico. He was pitching at Elon. But he, uh, Mr. Kyle Burnovich, has not thrown a single professional pitch, uh, which I learned today. I thought he had pitched a little bit after he got dra drafted this season. But tell me about uh, Kyle Burnovich. Well, he's, I mean, what, what attracts you to Kyle Burnovich is, is, is one thing pretty much. It's his knuckle curveball, which is probably the best. I mean, I had some scouts tell me they thought it was the best breaking pitch in last year's draft. He threw it a ton at Elon. I, I think most people think it's a reliever look, that you're just going to have him come in and throw that pitch you know, 75% of the time or something. I don't think anybody's necessarily projecting him as a starter. But he's an interesting reliever look. And, you know, I mean, as you noted, I mean, with that trade, I, I think it was more of a quantity over quality trade. But the, the Orioles need inventory. They're not going to be good for a few years, so they can sort through a bunch of guys and figure out who works and who doesn't. And, you know, Brnovich might be the first of those guys to get to the big leagues as a reliever. Right, even though he has, again, yet to throw a professional pitch. Angels shut him down after drafting him this year. Uh, all right, let's move to another trade, uh, which happened, I guess, just yesterday. This is going to be the last trade we're going to talk about here. Uh, this was a very uh, interesting one, another one involving the Angels. Um, trading their first-round pick from this year, Will Wilson, to the Giants, uh, kind of attached with Zach Cozart's $12 million for 2020. Just going to the Giants for nothing for a player to yeah. be named later, which maybe we'll, well hear about. They, whenever you see a trade that's player to be named later or cash, or cash, almost always winds up being nothing. Almost, yes. It winds up being cash, and cash is like zero. And you don't he so hear I, about I'm what that is. They're necessarily getting a player. So this is very clearly uh, you know, a salary move. Angels trying to get some financial flexibility for 2020, which we now know will not be used for Garrett Cole, but maybe for somebody else. Um, but let's talk about Will Wilson. Kind of a weird thing. You don't usually see first-rounders jettison this quickly, um, although we just mentioned a couple other guys who were just but drafted this year. It's NCAA shortstops go in the first round. you got to get rid of them oh, immediately. That's, that's right. Oh, my God, I hadn't even oh, thought yeah. about that. That's oh, a boy, yes, yeah, so Trey Turner. But we can't get rid of them soon enough. But, I mean, that trade, and, and granted, the Nationals, uh, <laughs> They're doing of, all right. They 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 they, uh, they fleeced the Padres, but there were some there were some quality players in that in that trade, the trade turn trade. This one, I have to say, when this trade was announced, I was like, what? <laughs> like what? They I just didn't, I didn't I didn't really understand it uh, at all. And then like I understand that they wanted to uh, create some more money. The, one of the things I don't understand is that the Angels have the financial wherewithal to spend what they want it to spend. Matter, right. Is $13 million for one year really going to make that much of an impact? That was the thing. Like, it, it, I don't I don't really know. Even if you pay luxury tax on it, I, th I believe they'd be first-time offenders, so it would be like another couple million dollars. And it was what, and I saw, I was like, would oh. Would that keep them under the luxury tax? Like, I, I don't really understand all the machinations there. Um, I will say that uh, my understanding is that the uh, Giants originally asked for a different player from the 29 draft, I'm guessing it was Kyron Paris. It's probably a good and guess. And the Angels pick. Yep. sounded like they would rather keep Kyron Paris, who does fit more in the mold of the super athletic, toolsy guys that they have, than Will Wilson, which was, I don't want to say, it wasn't like a, a panic pick. Right. But they were, they, they were a little stuck as to who they were going to take with that first-round pick, and they're like, oh, we're taking Will Wilson. And it wasn't one of those, you know, last second the clock's about to stop and sure, they're not going to sure, get a guy sure. in. But it, Will Wilson wasn't at the top of their board the whole time and things like that. He's he's a solid player. He can hit. He's got some power. Probably ends up being a an offensive-minded second baseman when all is said and done. Um, but it was a very confusing trade for me. I do the Angels list, and some you know not only did I have to scramble to find a, a new <laughs> 30, guy for their right, top right, thirty, right, right. Uh, but I was like, but 
What? Why? Why? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, did, did, did I didn't you have the, totally get it? Did you have the same reaction? No, I mean I wasn't like uh, flummoxed, but I just looked at it and my immediate reaction. I was, was flummoxed. My, my immediate reaction was they just bought a first-round pick for twelve million dollars. Right. And, Which and is pretty good. Nothing's right. I mean, you know, you don't read too much into a guy's debut anyway. Will Wilson didn't have an unbelievable debut, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't Solid. Like came out and hit like one ten okay. or something. Right. And he he's not going to play shortstop, but he I mean he's. He might be like a 270, 20 homer second baseman. Um, and I, I had not heard the Kyron Parrish stuff. That's pretty interesting, too. That's a guess, by the way. Oh. No one gave me that name. Right. I just Someone had hinted to me that, that the Giants had asked for so, someone else from the draft class. And I... Kyle yeah. Brnovich. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Kyle Brnovich is I mean, already they, gone. They traded all those pitchers away. It, right. Kyron Parrish was the only guy that made any no, sense yeah, to yeah, me yeah, yeah, I agree in that, with that framework. So. But, yeah, so, like, no, I just look at the... You know, we, saw, we see this in NFL where teams were... Giving, you know, trading, taking on Brock Osweiler's contract, right, right, to right, right, draft pick, and you know, I think this is like a, I, I do think this was a move made, you know, feeling that they're going to have some free agent signings coming to keep them hey, under two hundred million. Let's hope so. And, and I, I would be, and this probably applies to fans of most teams. I would be very frustrated with teams acting like the two hundred eight million dollar barrier is like set in stone, and you, like like Jonathan said, the Angels have money. They're not a repeat offender to where you're going to have draft picks move down or you're at the higher threshold or the penalties increase. Like, if you had a $220 million payroll this year with Zach Cozart, so be it. So what? Yeah. Like, you're trying to win. You I have just, Mike Trout. So, and and the, the thing is, it's one year of $13 million. Yeah, so after 2020, he's gone anyway. You, you're going you're gonna to have to shed some, you know, throw some more yeah. stuff overboard so you don't sink. I, I don't, I, that part I don't totally understand, nor have I. You know, sought out an explanation in terms of how how the money would work. Because stretched out over say seven years of Anthony Rendon, right? It's, it's like how is that affecting less that? Less than two million a year. That's so the I don't, thing, I don't and that's totally why understand. when I when you say you were flummoxed, we said when I saw it, I was like, oh man, I guess Cozart's got like two years and like forty five million or three years and fifty million. I was like, right. wait, it's one just for the 12? one year. Yep. Yeah, yep. very very strange. All right, I do actually want to sneak in one more trade here because uh, it was a fun well, one last lied. night. You said that was the last trade. I, yeah, I did lie. Done. We Come will on. not talk about. One I did lie. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to to hopefully force you gentlemen uh, to talk about this next one, which is uh, it literally broke. I believe within five minutes of Garrett Cole signing with the Yankees was Nomar Mazzara headed to the White Sox for Steel Walker. One well, of the we best. were at our holiday party. While we were at our holiday party, that is true. Uh, and uh, so Steel Walker, great name, a second round pick. Uh, and I mean, I, I, he's not necessarily close to any top 100 prospect list, but he was a big guy at Oklahoma. Is, is this a nice little, nice little pickup for the Rangers? Yeah, he played alongside Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. Oh, that's true. Um, and I, and Closer I, to the big leagues than Kyle, yeah. Kyler Murray is. I, well, <laughs> so are you. But no, I was going to say, you know, I, when I, I, do, I write our White Sox stuff and our Rangers stuff. And with Steel Walker, like the line I had used was, you know, the White Sox got the best college hitter in the 2018 draft when they got Nick Madrigal, and they might have gotten the second best pure hitter in Steel Walker. Like, there's some questions to how much power he's ultimately going to have. He's not like a big raw power guy, but what he is is a guy who can really hit, so he's going to get to most of what he has. He's probably more of an average runner. Like, like his bat is his only tool that you would grade as above average. But he has good instincts. He's got a chance to play center. I like the comp that you dropped yeah. on him in his he, report. He, he's kind of like a, a lesser version of Mark Kotze, but that kind of mold of oh, player where okay. he plays above his tools and he can really hit and that's, not a big-time power guy. That's the kind of comp that, like, even it's good, but now Rangers fans are like, oh, 
Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze. I mean, he was, was good. Pretty he was pretty good. I know. It's like, I don't think anyone looked at this trade and thought they were getting a superstar in the in the making. Sure, sure, That's fair. Yeah, no, but is this, do you have any, do you like, I know he mentioned he's, he's, uh, He's the White Sox and Rangers yeah, guy. Yeah, no, I, I just mentioned uh, I saw news of the trade, and I went back to sipping my margarita at our <laughs> holiday gathering. <laughs> Super While fair. Jim had to go right, because I'm like, not my team. Not my. Oh, but, not my uh, problem. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, we were talking a little before. You know, Nomar Mazzaro is a guy who doesn't he, – he's not actually that far removed from being a prospect. No. So, and I know things sort of went backwards for him, right. but I, I still think he's, he's young fine. enough to – to turn things around and, and figure some things out if he can, you know, refine the approach and things like that. And you like mentioned it. It's not like, you know, it's not like getting Tommy Pham, but White Sox also trying to win now, and, and No More Bizarre should hopefully help them a yep. little bit more than Lurie Garcia. All right, Jim, it's time to talk about your favorite uh, sporting event, uh, the Rule 5 Draft, which will take place tomorrow morning here, I believe, in the room over there. Uh, I'm pointing you. Which, which, which is great for radio. <laughs> great for radio, but just, just nearby. Uh, Jim, uh I have asked you guys to talk about the Rule 5 for many podcasts in recent weeks, and you guys we have, will this week. have put it off. But now we are finally here, uh, less than 24 hours away. And but, but, Jonathan, you made a good point as we were prepping for this podcast, which is that now teams will have a 26-man roster. And the way the Rule 5 draft works is if you're going to pick a guy, you got to keep him on the roster all season. Presumably that extra spot maybe is going to make teams more likely to, no. to, to pick a guy. Okay, Jim says no, but, Jonathan, what do you think? Jim's got a flight to catch. That's why he doesn't he, – he, that's why he's saying no. I, I don't we, – we, we were talked to – we were talking a little bit about it in the lobby, and not everyone agrees with this. I've talked to a couple people with teams who think it may be a little more active. I think you might see a few more position players taken. Okay. If you have, if you have a uh, like a utility guy who can play multiple positions, you might be more likely. And it's not necessarily saying, oh, they're going to be so much more active because, oh, you can just stash the guy because you have the 26 men. I think teams might be more willing to take that chance. It's still a low-risk not a lot of money, $100,000 to take a pick in the major league phase. I, you know, I don't know that the, the, the crop is that strong that you're going to say, oh, it's obvious. But I am curious to see if more teams are willing to take um, multiple guys uh, you in know, the major league phase. Right, right, in the major league phase to, and, and see if one of them can stick. There are a lot of teams that are, like, really, really low in terms of where they are on the 40-man oh, roster. Oh, yeah, Brewers are at 32, Nats are at, like, 31 or something. So there's uh, plenty – uh, of space there. Jim, uh, I know you are thinking really often about the Rule 5 draft. Every so working are, moment. Yes. Are, you, are you excited? Are you excited for tomorrow no, morning? I'm not excited <laughs> for the Rule 5 draft, but it's, it'll be interesting because like, well, you never know what's going to happen in the Rule 5 draft. There are guys who seem like obvious picks and they don't get picked, and there's guys who get picked, and you're like, where'd that come from? But like, you know, there is a school of thought that you know, just as before when we had 25-man rosters, teams didn't want to have a roster spot tied up by a guy they couldn't really use, especially if they're trying to win. Especially and position players, too. So, like, if now we have a 26-man roster, if you're a contender, do you really want to tie up a roster spot with a project and be have one player less than everybody else? So, we'll, like, I, I honestly, if we have the normal 15 or so players picked tomorrow, I'd be, be okay. surprised. Yep. Yeah. And if it's 30 guys picked, I guess that could happen. Like, nobody has any... Jim's not going to be happy about that. that. Well, not well happy. you know, what somebody pointed out to us is that, you know, th there were... Uh, seemingly an abnormal amount of non-tenders. Yes. So there true. are a lot of guys with much longer, larger track records yep. of having That's played true. in the big leagues that you, you don't even necessarily have to sign to a big league contract. So some of those guys may end up taking up the, the that 26th spot on the roster, and that may impact how many guys we see taken in, in the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft. Uh, gentlemen, we are. I will not let you go until you say who you would pick with the number one 
selection. You are the Tigers, Jim. We don't have to even talk about. We literally don't even have to talk about the player. I just want you to say who you would select right, well, if you, you have the number one pick. And, and I'm going to cheat because I haven't really thought about like who the best prospect is. Who I okay, but you, you're in charge. Have. GM Jim Callis is taking. Then two, I'll just give you the two names I've heard the of most. Of course it's two names. Of course well, I'm he's... Two names I've heard the most. Go ahead. Relievers. You should Go just ahead. ask from now on. <laughs> think if you asked them for two names, he'd give you four? Is that how it works? I, don't I should know. ask for half a name. I, I don't know who I would pick number one overall, but the two names I've heard the most come up. Jordan Sheffield from the Dodgers, relief pitcher, former sandwich pick, much better in relief role than he was as a starter. Even Gavin Lux, who was here to receive an award from Baseball America to start the winter meetings, somebody walked by, Rule 5 came up, and Gavin Lux just turned and said, turned to me and said, oh, we're going to lose Jordan Sheffield. I didn't even have to lose ask him. him. Yeah. So, like, even Gavin Unprompted. Lux Unprompted. All right. I trust Gavin on this one. And I then do. Um, and the other guy is guy. Joe Barlow with the Rangers, yeah. who's got some really nasty stuff, doesn't always control it, but is pitched in the big leagues, so it's not really a stretch. And, you know, if he doesn't want to strike spring training, you just return it for half the price. So those are – I'm not right. – like, I would not take them necessarily as the Tigers because – I know, right? They're rebuilding the, and relieving. Sure, sure, they, sure. Like, they should That's make not shoot for the a, moon. Yeah. But those are the two names I have heard the most. All right. Jonathan, you are now on the well, clock. I'll throw out four names. No. Um, <laughs> so I have not heard the name at all, but one guy that to me is interesting is Luis Escobar of the Pirates. Ooh. Because – There you go. He, he actually pitched in the big in the, leagues. Yeah. Wasn't – Terrible. Yeah. And then they removed him from the 40 man to make right. room for other guys they wanted to add. Right. You may not add another name. No, I'm going to say that, but here's, here's my question about Luis Escobar. If they took him off the 40 man, why wouldn't somebody just pick him up on waivers rather than rule five him? Oh, That's man. a fair point. I haven't even looked to see if he's pitching in winter ball. <laughs> I'm no, sorry, I'm just I don't throw water on Luis <laughs> No, no, it's fine. It's, like I said, I've not heard his name That's at okay. all. Um, I like it though. You're going off uh, the board. I will, uh, I'll throw out Kai Tom, who's a name that we've heard oh, before. Okay. As a, a guy who can hit and play a couple different positions. There to you me, go. Fits uh, fits the mold of that guy you can move around that maybe would fit well as a 26th guy, uh, maybe DH a little bit if it was an American League that takes him. All right, who would you pick, Jordan? Oh, oh no. it's obvious. Oh, I'm oh, obviously I'm Sterling obviously Sharp. taking Sterling Sharp, who right, well, was wide receiver, left Green Bay off. Packers. Yes, right, wide receiver, Green Bay Packers. No, uh, left off the Nationals, uh, 40 man. I kid, total travesty. Former podcast guest and also uh, from Detroit. From like 15 right. minutes so I have a question uh, from about Comerica. Sharp for you then. Well, okay, go ahead. No, so my question is this: if if he gets picked, no, no, but oh, not yeah, if, yeah, he, yeah. If, if whether he gets picked. We saw him in the folly. He threw very well in the folly. He was great to talk to. The Nats have like third. They have like 10 spots on their 40 minute roster. Protect him. If, I, I know teams do no. their own evaluations, but don't you pause for a second? Like, I know. why did this guy not get a spot on the 40 minute roster? Trust me, I know. But I'm standing up for him. Free Sterling. I hope he gets picked by the Tigers, his hometown team. He said that if he gets picked, I'm holding you to this, Sterling. If he gets picked by the Tigers and he's in the big leagues, he said he's going to live at home. How many major leaguers get to stay in their childhood bedroom? That, there's a question for you. We do Sterling, not know the answer. No. Sterling Sharp the, is going to be the first one. I'm Henry Rowengarten. <laughs> on that note, this has been the Only Pipeline podcast here in San Diego. Jim can't wait for the Rule 5. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Jim, uh, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, that was fun. As yeah. the host, Jordan Schusterman, uh, we will talk to you guys very soon.